Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Here's your host from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, we are the Get Savvy Club and we're on a mission to teach anyone in property how to get visible online. Why? So you can get deals, you can get direct bookings, you can find JV partners and investors, or if you're a realtor or estate agent, you can find new stock and ultimately you can make money. If you would like our help, just message us on info at getsavvyclub.co.uk or find us on social media. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Property Marketing Made Easy. Today we have with us the brilliant Julian Morris. We've known of him for quite a few years actually because he has been in the property world for I think he said over 10 years doing something that a lot of people do or similar thing to a lot of people do these days but he's been doing it for a long long time which is all about the design of your property. So if you are an investor or if you're somebody that's getting into property and you want to make money from property, he's coming to it from a different angle, really, in terms of what you need to think about when you're getting those properties, not just about the money at the end, but also keeping hold of those customers, which was I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, some really awesome tips and well worth listening to, definitely. Even if you're just getting into it or if you've been doing it a while, mm. I want a way to kind of get that, that little bit better at it. So um, let's get into it. If you're enjoying Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, follow and subscribe. Uh, I'm a designer. That's what I've fallen into. I saw a niche in property. I, I used to do project managing. Most of my work was project management so um, mainly smaller refurbs nothing massive but just really lots of converting houses into buy-to-let accommodation all different types really from single lets uh, which was when I started through to doing HMOs and I did most of my work has been HMOs student HMOs and then professional HMOs so doing the conversion works basement conversions loft conversions I used to have about gosh five or six teams of uh, contractors working with me Oh, wow. uh, for a while busy times so it actually it wasn't busy it was actually a doddle really I was actually quite good at although it, my wealth dynamic test said last thing I should do is project management I'm not that kind of analytical I guess I use my people skills more to help, help out it was when my kids were younger and I had more time with my kids then than I would have done at any other time so I was actually quite efficient at it not blowing my own trumpet or anything but yeah I was quite good it was yeah. down to the people that you work with really I think when you're doing yeah. that kind of thing I got a good reputation because I'm a little bit artistic and I got a little bit of flair I would say I never liked to. I think that I was always under a bit of pressure because when I was sourcing I needed to make sure that whatever I sourced rented out and this was at a totally different time when everyone was buying rental properties and there was a glut of rental properties on the market. You wouldn't believe it, would you? No, um, not now. Yeah. Things got quiet for me when the credit crunch hit and uh, I was looking for work and uh, got a couple of big contracts furnishing some large blocks of flats. I was doing show homes as well. That got me some money behind me so I could start investing. And that's when I walked into a property meeting. When I walked in, I was quite surprised, actually, because... I was seeing things from a different perspective because I've been design led pretty much all my time and always thought make something stand out. And when I walked into PIN, this was in 2013, I'm seeing people standing up talking about the financial side of things and how you should cut up properties to maximize the rent. But no one was talking about design at all. In fact, the only thing they were saying about design was make it plain and simple. That was the thing to it. And I thought the opposite. Well, whatever it was, it can be anything. But I always felt the opposite was true. You know, make an effort, make it look good, and you'll get better tenants and and etc. So I started to uh, do presentations. I thought I'd monetize it, so I did a training course in design, 
that's done well. And then I've got lots of work and now full time, I'm full time doing design work for clients. So, you know, be it design blocks of, you know, interiors for blocks of flats, interiors for HMOs, uh, lots more serviced accommodation stuff now. So yeah. commercial to serviced accommodation, residential to serviced accommodation, residential to HMOs. I'm quite pragmatic because I'm a landlord myself. So, you know, I've got a small portfolio of little HMOs which are running okay, good. I just teach what I've applied over the years to people as well. 50% of my time is teaching people how to design and then the other 50% is teaching people that don't want to be taught, not teaching just, people, just doing the work for them. Just do it for them. So what yeah. are some of the fundamentals when you're looking at, say, setting up an SA or an HMO? What are the, some of the fundamentals that you need to take into account? Well, interestingly, I was just thinking about this and this is unscripted, but I was thinking you guys are marketing experts, so you do marketing and essentially interior design is a form of marketing. It makes a product, a product more attractive attractive to yeah. uh, the buyer. The thing with our product is you've got HMOs, which are places where people live in for quite a long time. So I've got tenants that have been with me for eight years, 10 years, five years, seven years. You know, I've got long-term tenants. And I think if you design the product so that people can live in it for a long time, people will live in it for a long time. Um, yeah. which can be very profitable. So if you look at things like the correlation between customer retention and profitability, for example, and you guys probably know quite a lot about this stuff, but if you up your game and you are able to increase your customer retention by 5%, that can increase your profit by 95%. Yeah. Um, with serviced accommodation, if you can c create a great customer experience, you'll get more repeat business. And so you don't keep on having to find new business all the time. So I guess... In reality, it is a form of marketing. It makes a product more attractive. So, you know, imagine if you did a great marketing campaign for a product and it wasn't well designed and it, and people were unhappy when they used it, then you could be wasting money on, but not both both on the product and both on the marketing that you've done for that product. So, to me, people don't often have vision, do they? Whether that's because they don't have the vision or because they're too busy to stop and think about what something might look like. Was it if should it be done up nicely? But generally, people don't think like that, do they? No, they don't. But I think number one, I th think a lot of people feel that property is uh, an investing strategy, uh, not a business uh, strategy. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And I think, and I think when you're investing in HMOs, single lets. I think are fairly straightforward. I mean, there's some basic things that you can do with a single let that'll make it feel nicer, but you're not doing that much to it. You, you're, you're letting out an empty property to people. But when it's a furnished product, that's when things get a little bit more complicated. When it's single ASTs or separate people moving into one house, then you've got challenges in terms of the design that you need to deal with and the same with serviced accommodation you've got certain challenges that you need to to meet and they're design challenges so if it's a serviced accommodation one of the challenges is how, how can i make my product stand out from other products in the area you know there are yeah. two, you can do that visually uh, because everyone's going to be marketing their product on the same in the same place so you know if you you can do that visually by making it stand out visually so people click on it and you can make it stand out with the service that you provide as well so you know these are things that you need to think about when you're doing the product and a lot of people don't really look at it in that way they'll see it as an investment and the design yeah. tends to be the thing that they'll just go well it'll just happen and oh, I think how, how it's the same I with the it's the same with actual marketing as well because i think that's why we've kind of been drafted into speak a lot of the property events now is because people like like you've just said there they don't think of it as a business 
they think oh, i'm just going to get into property as like something to, to make me some money as well as whatever i do or maybe to get them the freedom but actually you've got to have a business head and actually i think it's that's why it lends itself to people that already run businesses that mm. go into property probably find that's it easier than people that have have a job yeah so people that have a well, job that's the big deal that's because it's it, it's business ultimately well that's um, the thing you've hit the nail on the head i think a lot of people who are in you know you've got the you've got some people who are in a job that don't want to be in a job that want to get into property and if you want to get into jump from a job into property then you've got to jump from being a employee to being an employer and a business person and yeah. i think that's the that's one of the things that maybe isn't discussed is the fact that you know forget the word investing you're investing in a business yeah you know ultimately. and 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 i think if you don't look at it as a business then it's not going to be that successful or that profitable so i understand the value of marketing and i don't get involved in it i've got you know i form collaborations with other people to because and they do the marketing but without it i'd be a lot poorer that's the same thing essentially like you're saying about design the reason why i've got into design is because i think without it i wouldn't make as much money in my yeah. own portfolio and and it gets me angry that or did do anyway got me angry that there were people that were kind of telling people how to get involved in property and weren't really talking about it from a business perspective yeah. they were just saying oh it's easy just get a house cut it up into lots of things and and that's the model and they would shove sell it a out model. there and yeah shove it out there and <laughs> so um, what, so you know that's what could last for those ones that you do the work for them when mm. it's what is the ideal time for them to contact you about the project? When's like the sweet spot? When they've bought it. So when right early. When, on where, 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 yeah, when, when, when like they've. Well, not uh, not too early. There's not physically anything there because that's way. No, but when, when 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 the product has been purchased, if you get involved in, mm. a lot of people will come to me when they're you know they're nearly ready to instruct the builders. By then, a lot of negotiation has been done. There's less room for manoeuvre. Uh, in terms of creating a good product but the earlier the better because you know you want to have drawings done and you want to have specifications really thought through before you instruct a builder or before you ask a builder to do a, a quote for you because then you'll go into it with a better idea of what you want what you need the builder will understand what you want they can price up the job more efficiently so you get an accurate price a lot of people say oh we've gone over budget well they haven't actually gone over budget what's happened is is that they've not planned the project and the builder just gave them a ballpark figure for a base job and they've gone well actually well it needs more sockets than just one you know it needs yeah. some other lighting rather than just one thing in the middle of the ceiling can can we put that in can we put that in oh and i didn't think about the furniture i didn't <clears> put that into the equation therefore furniture is going to cost me about seven grand i've got to take that off the budget somehow somewhere else so i'll get cheaper tiles and then you just get this really bad product that doesn't make people happy and also doesn't last very long so you know at the earliest stage is best so do you help people with that specification of you know what what they should have in yeah i mean in the main uh, i tend to work in stages so the first stage is really looking at the layout of a property so that's the framework really of the design like the skeleton of the design is really looking at you know i'll give you an example if it's a service let a common thing that i get is well it's got a, two bedrooms and a living room and i want to have a sofa bed in the living room and i want to have two zip and link beds in the bedroom so i want it to sleep eight or six seven four five you know five <laughs> or six or whatever it is and, and, uh, whatever and I'll go, okay, that's fine. But where's everyone going to sit and have a meal? Because there's not enough space for a dining table. And I go, okay, well, then imagine you've got grandma, grandpa, mummy, daddy, baby, baby. Everyone can sleep somewhere, but they can't sit down and have a meal together. And uh, where are they going to sit if they all want to watch television? They can't. So you have to have as many beds as you have seats or as many seats you have beds. And so uh, I would sketch out the, the property 
and show where all the beds are going to go, where all the storage is going to go, where the sofas are going to go. In an HMO, I would say it's more important to look at storage. So I think everybody needs a decent amount of cupboard space. I think everyone's going to want to watch telly in their bedroom. Everyone's going to want to have a double bed or at least a three quarter of a smaller room. Everyone's going to need lots of plug sockets. People are going to want to work from their bedroom. So they'll need plug sockets to work so they can plug a computer, maybe a printer. There needs to be a desk. All of these things need to be thought through. And these are essential parts of a design. It's like a phone has to have a screen you know and how big is the screen and how big are the numbers on the screen you know everything is thought through on a phone Uh, and the same with an interior that's the layout plan then when I've done the layout plan I do an electrical plan so I'll give you an example of this is that you know I personally believe that a room should have more than one light source so you know you've got the middle light which is the ambient light which gives the whole room light but then you might want a task light for when you're working you might want mood lighting i certainly think mood lighting can help make a space much uh, nicer to live in so you want to look at mood yeah. lighting so there's that and there's also things like well do you want to be able to plug your phone in next to the bed so do you need the socket higher where is the desk do you want the socket a socket above the desk do you want a tv aerial on the wall so the tv can be mounted on the wall you know all these things are thought through on for the uh, electrical plan then i do a decor plan decor is a form of a very important part of the marketing strategy for me so people respond to color so when you're marketing something on a page something with a bit bit of color in it will stand out from all the others and I think there's a a statistic that says that 85% of the buying decision is about color so people will respond to things like that so I use marketing I don't know if you've ever heard of visual merchandising Uh, well visual merchandising can be is used in retail but visual merchandising can also be used the same strategy can be used in property so i would Mm -hmm. say that if i was like a shop uh, a giant shop window isn't it yeah it is Mm -hmm. you basically when you're marketing your product even whether it's on spare room or on airbnb it is a high street of of sorts Uh, and so you know the same strategy applies on the digital high street as it does on the actual high street so if you've got a nice shop front people will walk in and then when they walk in if it's an hmo if they walk in they'll take it 100 percent. i get everybody that views people buy with their emotions that's the same well that's yeah, again yeah. people so you know and there's a saying there's three um reactions to a piece of design uh it, i don't like it meh it's all right and wow that's the reaction that's the buying reaction so there's that so there's there's the color design and then there's furnishing and accessories and looking at style so that's the uh that that to me is something that uh, is a more personal thing and i think every Everyone has an opportunity when they do design to put their own flavor onto something. I think there are some, you don't need to reinvent the wheel when it comes to style. I certainly don't like trend. I avoid trend because I'll set them. I'm not saying that I was the first person that did a yellow wall, but certainly when I put a yellow (laughs) wall in one of my houses, it was about a year later and I'm seeing yellow walls everywhere. I, I copied somebody else, but it wasn't really a trend. But then I think it became a bit of a trend, yellow walls. You know, I avoid trends. And I look at long lasting styles that have been around for a very long time. So, you know, heritage style, mid-century modern style. And and I kind of get, get familiar with these styles and I will style a property according to its age. So if it's an older house, I'll be influenced by industrial heritage. But I've also got a bit of bohemian in me so i'll chuck a bit of that and if i'm doing the if i'm advising on furnishing and staging certain accessories so like i say there's several stages there's the layout planning stage where you do the uh, furniture plan electrical layout and color plan 
And then there's material specifications. So what doors, what kitchens, what door handles, light fittings, lights, plug sockets, all of those things. They can be in character with the property or with the uh, interior design if you're doing furnishing. And then a furnishing specification, depending on what the client is looking for. So if they're going to be furnishing it themselves and they're happy to go shopping, then I would look for something a bit more bespoke. If they need to go for a landlord package, then I, I work with a company in Manchester who can do things fairly bespoke looking and they will price up for the work so that's really the process so what's your favorite project that you've worked on to date my own your own home or your own properties well both my own home and my own properties because i mean i've worked on a few projects i've worked with people where i've i've mentored them or taught them and they've gone away and I've done a couple of consultations and they've gone away and done it themselves and done a beautiful job. And it's always surprised me how well they've done it. And then my own ones, I got the opportunity. This was back in 2014 when, you know, I was having to sell the concept of design to people. People didn't quite get it then. Yeah. It was there was almost like a nice it. to have, but they don't need it. Yeah. Right? What's the point kind of thing? Yeah. Do you know yeah. What I mean? oh, that'd be nice quite... if it was a lot more well, um, like an overhead, yeah. like yeah. marketing. Yeah. People think yeah. marketing is an overhead. And yeah. An yeah. So, so that was that. So, I, and then I, when I bought my own, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do it how I want to do it because I'm also managing the the properties myself. Um, I get the benefit of seeing the results from a yeah. human perspective. So, you know, I've been able to see that. Um, the effort that I put into the design has made them really easy to maintain. So, from a managing perspective, I hardly even have to touch them. Yeah, That's yeah. the first thing. The second thing is I've got people that are genuinely grateful for the fact I've given them somewhere nice to live. Yeah. And they look and they look after it and they're customers and they're good customers. So if you've got a business and you have good customers, it's a, it's actually quite good fun to run a business with good customers. And I found that my tenants in the main are all good customers. I know them all by first name basis. They, you know, they look after the houses. I sometimes do, you know, give them Christmas presents or whatever. But, you know, I've got reliable income i've got reliable assets that don't cost me much to run they're all in good condition coming up to 10 years old and they're still looking good they're a pleasure to own i'm making an income from them and i've got happy customers and, and i think that has boiled down to the fact that when i designed them i designed them that way you know i, I designed them to be durable i designed them to be functional i designed them to give the tenants everything they need and i've gone through covid without losing tenants and etc and the proof has been in the pudding so yeah. you know and, and i've been able to use that resource and teach what i've learned from that and so i got a great I've, I mean, in terms of the income that i've got from them it's not just been the rental income it's been the the income that i've got from just selling the concept of them and and teaching people how to do it themselves so yeah. it was an incredible uh, you know investment in in education my education and also not only for the long term hopefully assets that will be you know they'll i can pass them on to my children if they deserve it if they don't I'll spend it. <laughs> i'm glad you added that i'd think that so are things changing then you say back in the day 2014 no one really thought about it like that now you go out and you talk to people who invest in property are they kind of saying oh and also part of that investment is in the design and the styling or are you still kind of having to educate well i think there's two tiers of people that invest in property there's those that are doing it for themselves and those that are doing it as a business and i think those that are doing it as a business tend to be quite good 
when it comes to design nowadays and they also do it because of credibility do you know what i mean yeah. so if yeah. they've got a good product to show people then it gives them credibility because it shows respect and it allows it allows them to get to finance easier so a lot of people are looking for investors to invest in their product their property product so if you've got a good product that's providing a good income and is easy to manage then people buy into that so they attract buyers so that's the one type of person and then they tend to be quite i've seen some great designs i personally think a lot of people go over the top with hmos and create things because they I... put their own emotion into it i think no. that they'd like to live or, or why no because i think it's i think it's a showcase oh, okay so it's a showcase product because you know they're trying to sell an, a dream or an idea and it, they, they they want something to stand out because if they don't stand out, they're going to find it harder to find investors. So if they stand out, they can they can find investors faster. And um, too tryhard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're too tryhard. So, so yeah. yeah. So it's 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 not that it's a vanity thing, but it's just as much about marketing as it is about pr get creating a good product for the user of that product. Mm. So I think that, yeah. I think I think that that's one type of person and i'm not criticizing that all i'm saying is that the design of the product has been um up specified to attract finance and to attract attention in a different arena not just for tenants um, but sometimes that's necessary isn't it like you're i'm not, like, I'm not yeah, saying it's not flagship. i'm not saying yeah i'm not saying it's not but if you are somebody that's doing it for yourself and you don't have that requirement in terms of the design it doesn't have to attract investors it mm -hmm. just has to be attractive to tenants uh, and keep tenants happy then a lot of that stuff's not needed mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah and you have to and you can focus on just creating a nice victoria sponge Let's yeah, say, it, okay. it's interesting what you said about um you know like the storage because i actually noticed on facebook earlier today um somebody was sharing um oh i've got this uh, it was like a, a studio apartment and it was so many hundred pounds a month but it was including like the wi-fi and the bills and whatever whoever would was to take that would probably take it out but not a moment of desperation that sounds a bit harsh but like it would be they'd take it for now and they wouldn't look at like staying in that particular studio flat that i saw or like in that particular space for a good amount of time. Yeah, yeah that's precisely my point. Is that if something doesn't function <laughs> properly, yeah. um, there will be there will be a consequence of that. So yeah. you know, and in that situation, it didn't function properly because it didn't have enough storage, and therefore, mm. whoever moves into it, the consequence will be they're not going to live in it for very long. Yeah. So this comes back down to customer retention and design again, and understanding what is good design. And what will keep people happy with that product for a long period of time? It's like, you know, um, the iPhone, when the iPhone came out, it didn't have a keyboard. Microsoft, if you look at the interview with Microsoft, when they did an interview, the CEO was interviewed and he said, and they asked him, what do you think of the iPhone? He goes, well, number one, who's going to buy a phone for $500? You know, it's a it's an expensive <laughs> gadget, fair play, but it's not the right price point. And then he said, and it also doesn't have a keyboard, so it's no good for people who do business. So I think that even professional people that do it don't understand what people sometimes really want and need. And a lot of people, when they've, if it's not available, they won't even know that they need what's not available. So, you know, before the iPhone came out, people didn't realize that actually it's much better to use your thumb to mm. use a phone than it is a stylus and a thing but because no one had invented it yet they didn't know that that's what they wanted they thought i'll have a mm. phone with a keyboard i don't need a phone with a white thumb that will never work and the same with you know property it's like you know you get a lot of people saying where do i buy cheap bed from now yeah. is a bed a bed if it's uncomfortable no exactly no it's not so actually you're not buying a bed 
you're buying a cheap piece of parts that looks like a bed but is not fit for purpose so you know all of these things have an effect on on the profitability but they're not things that generally people will know or even ask for or understand it's up to the designer to fulfill that and to make sure that everything that the customer needs is there it's not the customer's job to say i need this i need this i need this i need and i need that to do that i need that to do that i need that to do that that's the role of the business person you know? i completely agree with you about storage but i think that i like to go around a show home because i'm quite nosy um so going around like new builds you know apartments and houses they've got very little storage and some of the bedrooms you can't even fit a wardrobe in so i just think the modern design way is not to give people lots of storage because then they can fit more bedrooms in and and you know charge a premium no that's a a developer i think there's a there's a quote by henry ford and he said you don't achieve wealth by the pursuit of wealth you achieve wealth by providing a great service the same with happiness the pursuit of happiness won't make you happy the pursuit of wealth won't make you happy the pursuit of providing a great providing a great service a great product will make you wealthy but doing something for the money won't because there's a great example of a of a company called the collective who are doing massive hmos yeah, they're 500, great 500 room they're not actually yeah. they just went bust oh, about two years oh, oh yeah no way. because because, <laughs> because mean, like, this you is know the thing you, you know when you you know when you look at like as in like i heard about that years ago and i thought wow okay that's like yeah. quite impressive just yeah. for those listeners to the podcast that are like what you're talking about it's like a it's like a HMR on steroids, really, isn't it? Well, it's more like co-living space, so it's... Well, it's all, it was all a marketing, you know, mm. it's let's make something and then let's give it a name. So co-living, to me, is a nonsense. It doesn't mean anything. Co-living is just a rebranding of a product. Of HMO, yeah. So you've got HMO, which is House of Multiple Occupation, and you've got co-living. What's the difference between a home of multiple occupation and a co-living residence? What's the difference? It's just a. I guess the difference. Well, really that's what people point the Yeah, but I think what people think is like with the the collective, for example, or like those types of spaces, is that you have like a gym there, you have more spaces mm. to be with. Right, but what it, right, okay, okay. So yeah, Anna, I guess, I guess. What? Who? How many people would you rather share a, a home with? Four or five hundred? Yeah. See, I'm not your ideal customer there i wouldn't want to just have like it'd still be very much my own space not okay. like you know the, the own business everybody wants their own space yeah. so when i create an hmo i make sure that number one the rooms feel like they're out per somebody's own space yeah and then i create living spaces shared yeah. spaces that people can go if they want interaction that's yeah. a great co-living uh, uh, experience you've got your room which is your home and you've got the communal spaces in these properties. The problem with these is, is the rooms themselves, the bedrooms were smaller than the average prison cell. If you look at the customer feedback, if you look, go on to Trustpilot, most, they had a 40% of their customers gave them a one star rating. Oh, wow. And that's because even though it looked great, and because the people, they thought, oh, yeah, we'd love to live in a place where it's got a gym, a cinema, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. ultimately, because the rooms were so small and like a prison cell, that's your home. You'll go to the gym for an hour or so. You might go to the cinema and use it once every three months. You might go to the bar a few times. But once you realize that the same nutcases down there that have kind of taken over the place, you're not going to go down to the bar anymore. If the staff aren't that polite because they're getting grief every day from idiots that are giving them grief and they start becoming rude, then you've got rude staff 
communal facilities you hardly ever use, a gym that's always packed out and that and, and then you can never get on any of the equipment, and a room that's so small it's smaller than a prison cell. That's doing something for money. That's yeah. designing a product so that you can get as many people in a building as possible. And think, okay, we'll put the a nice gym in, but actually the the the, the practicalities, the day to day function of that product was not right. It didn't yeah. work. So why is it yeah. gone? Why is it gone bust then? Like because because they got such bad customer reviews and because people yeah. didn't want to be there. So you know, if you've got a product that doesn't, if you imagine if you if you're on Airbnb, do you know what would happen if forty percent of your customers gave you one star? No, they chuck you else off. Would book. They yeah. chuck would you they, off. Would they chuck you off? Yeah. Yeah, they chuck one. you off. Number one, they chuck you off, and secondly, no one would book with you. Mm-hmm. So nowadays, yeah. if you have a product that relies on customer ratings, when people are looking at it, they'll go, "Let's have a look at the customer reviews." Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure if, though. And maybe it wasn't that one I was looking at, but I was looking at one not that long ago, and it was like actually you couldn't move in there even if you wanted to because all the spaces were full. Fair so play. Maybe, if it's new, a, see if it's new, if it's what, new. Yeah then yeah i would agree these things work as new but then mm. you know it's not a race my mother had a great saying it's not how you start that's important it's how you finish and i did a reef i did help a client who had a four bed hmo in the shadow of this 500 room hmo and her four bedroom 10 years later is still looking good is still renting out and this 500 room is now a bill is now empty because it's they went bust so you know it's not a race it's not about the beginning valuation when it's brand spanking new it's mm. how's it going to be in five years when people have been using it for a while is it still going to be in good condition are people still going to enjoy using it and is it still going to be making a profit or is it just going to be an aggravation yeah uh, so, so who, who are these i'm just interested in who 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 are these customers that come and they live in your spaces and they stay for a long long time like what like who who would be your ideal person who's most likely what what's their background what's their profession what like where are they at you know for to stay that length of time i understand people have hmos at certain times of their lives maybe and whatever but i'm just interested in those long term. okay so i would say people who do not want to pay most of their money out in rent and bills in a single let and it can be uh, anybody of any age, really, nowadays. I've got people that are in there. I've now got my first tenant who's in his 60s. Wow. Uh, living in a in a house that was actually, if you look at it, it was probably designed more like a student HMO than anything. But he loves it. Uh, he, I called him up the other day just to make sure he'd been settling in all right. Loves it. He's going to be spending half his time in it. He's a chess master. And oh, wow. He, Interesting. And, and he, he travels a lot then. Well, so I've got this divorced chess master who lives half of his time in Italy and half of his time in mm. in Pontefract. I Not guess that's perfect for him. Like, you don't need to leave your home and worry about it nope. because there's other people around yeah. it. You know, so yep. it's very so, safe. So you've got that. And he moved in with a, a basically a rucksack and I had to go to get him some bedding. So I've got him in the same house. I've got a bus driver. Uh, and in the same house, I've got a guy that works for a few as funeral director in the house further down where i've got my 10-year tenants rachel when she moved in she worked for disney on their cruise ship so she was away for eight months she's actually away for eight months and carried on paying me the rent now she works i think for a pharmacy raminta is an is a is a postgraduate student i think she's a biochemist and she works for a chemical company in york and in the same house Haytor, he actually used to work and organize the cleaning in the swedish embassy so wow. he, he now works at next so i've got Haytor. then in another house i've got a lady who is a um an accountant slash adventurer i've got another guy in there who 
God knows. He, I think he works. He's a manager at, um, at a car dealership. Another guy that I don't know what he does, but I know that he likes playing computer games in his room a lot. Uh, and another guy that I think, again, probably just blue collar. So I, I think that the HMO model is a kind of classless system. Yeah. Where you have people that can be bus drivers and chess yeah. masters living in the same house. I, I don't mix men and women, guys and girls. I tend to have all girls or all guys. Oh, okay. That's really the only thing. Ever have I'm, any? I'm ever sure. have any couples, or would you? Have yeah, been? I've got a couple, which was an accidental couple. He, mm -hmm. his girlfriend moved in, and he didn't tell me. And oh. when the bills, when the bills went up, and he kicked off about another tenant leaving a mess somewhere, I said, right, enough is enough. Now, she, now your girlfriend's going to start paying the rent, and so now she pays the rent. I wouldn't have allowed it normally, but I would normally just have single people who are mm. um, either all male or female um I'm, you find that works better then obviously yeah yeah i don't think mixing tenants works at all and um, i guess it also depends on everybody having a certain level of manners you know not playing loud music late at night and things like that, saying that I, yeah saying that i have mixed actually girl, boys and girls um this this uh, girl that's a hiking girl she she uh, she's moved into a house with all boys so there's three guys and one girl, but I, I just got the feeling she'd be all right in that in yeah. that environment, actually. So you know, I do all my if they fit, things. yeah. If you meet them yeah. all, anyway, as well, and you yeah, can get I meet that them all. If, yeah, I, yeah. Um, the only time I, I think you can make mistakes when with with being a landlord, it's inevitable sometimes, but I they don't last long. Tenants that yeah. I don't fit properly, yeah. they don't last long. Yeah, yeah. where are so, all um, your HMOs? They're in uh, West Yorkshire near Castleford. Oh, okay. Not far from Leeds. I don't buy in main towns. No. Hmm. So uh, two questions we ask everyone. I don't know if Anna's pre-warned you about these, but the first one is to recommend a book that oh. has inspired or helped you along the way. Yeah. Okay. This might not fit well with the ladies, actually. <laughs> um, but it helped me. I was in a, in a ma marriage that was dying, really. And I don't know if any of you have been divorced, but it's not yeah. a... <laughs> Yeah, We've all been not, there. It's, it, okay, it's not a, it's not a pretty, but it was okay actually. I think both me and my ex are still on very good terms, and it wasn't a, a, an ugly divorce, but it was something that needed to happen. And I found, I think it was my confidence that was hit. You know, I think that was the biggest thing that I think maybe was that that caused the issue was self confidence, and just knowing how to behave and what where my boundaries were. I think my boundaries had disappeared. I'd, I'd my boundaries. Had become my partner's boundaries and I didn't yeah. know where my own were merge anymore. into each other don't you yeah 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 and and I didn't agree with her boundaries really when it came to a few things and I wasn't heard and so I'm not saying that was a bad thing that was just much, as much my fault as it was anybody else's but I found this guy a coach coach Corey Wayne and he he's a he's a kind of man coach on how to be really on how to be if you're a guy and you want to have good relationships and how things work how what makes women tick type thing i read the book and i think it was i think you you was was it your, your previous speaker when you had your last podcast she said we've read uh, uh think and grow rich a few times now they said and that's i think a very important point is that yeah. you know if you want to um if you read a book and you think this resonates with me and i think this book might help me i'm going to read it a few times yeah and the first thing that this guy says in his book it's called the three percent man it's called the three percent man oh, cool. he says if you read this book and you want to apply what it teaches then you have to read it eight times at least because if you don't and you come back to me and say oh this hasn't worked right i'll just tell you you need to go back and read it a few 
few more times. Sure enough, I read this book and actually my divorce was actually an, uh, a happy, a good loving divorce as a result of this book. You know, I had went into the dating pit of despair um, <laughs> and had a bit of an interesting time there, but I was able to handle it really well and understand my value. I think it taught me my value. I think that's what yeah. this book did. It taught me my value and it taught me the value of boundaries and, and how to create a good relationship around you and good relationships around you and, yeah. and just how to behave. And and, and that, that was a good book for me. Sounds good. And I think the yeah. interesting thing about rereading a book is also we change and grow and develop hopefully as we go through life and so even reading the same book at a different place in your life you take different things from it as well so mm, I think that's mm. why they're so useful if you find a book that resonates with you to go back and reread it because I listen to a lot of books because I'm always out walking with the dog and what have you so I listen to a lot but if I find one I really like I always go and buy it as well because I think there's something about just have, where you can just pick it up you can write in the margins that kind of mm, thing mm. Yeah, and anyway, the second question that we always ask, because we're the Get Savvy Club, what makes you savvy? I don't know the answer to that one, because I think it's lots of things that make you savvy. And at different times, different things can make you savvy. I think the thing that made me savvy, and it was in the past, was traveling. Where have you um, been? When I was younger, in my 20s, I got an opportunity to go to Italy for a while. And I lived in Tuscany for a couple of years. Oh, lovely. Uh, in a, Great well, food. in a barn. It was basically, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> if you want food, it's amazing. Yeah. And actually, and as wine. I've got older, well, I'm not much of a wine drinker, but as I've got older, I've learned Well, to they let you into food. Italy. <laughs> They didn't yeah. shun you. <laughs> well, when I go to a whiskey <laughs> testing place in, in Ireland, I've gone, is there any Coke I can put with it? <laughs> oh, God, you get chucked so out. Don't take me on a whiskey tasting tour and don't <laughs> take me to Italy for wine. But no, I lived in Tuscany for a, a couple of years and then I moved to southern Spain. And I lived in southern Spain for a while and I learned a bit Spanish and I was working for some Spanish. And, and just I was on my own. I traveled on my own. I think it taught me a lot about self-reliance. Yeah. And being on your own and being able to generate your own it's a superpower. Yeah. Well, there you go. So I think that, that traveling got me that superpower. Yeah. Uh, and um, I've, ever since I've worked for myself, pretty much. I wouldn't say I'm a businessman. I'm more a self-made person rather than mm. a businessman or business person is it nowadays business person who knows um yeah who um, knows yeah <laughs> depends what day it is um, always saying, you can't say that anymore yeah, Mark. Yeah, no. right, okay. all right fair play um but no i think um i think i think traveling and experiencing different people different places and being self-reliant and being alone you did what i my dream is to not just travel but go and live and work in places not necessarily because Luckily, with Get Savvy Club, um, we could live anywhere and still do Get Savvy Club as a business because it's online. Um, so my plan, once my children aren't needing me as much as they do now, they're just teenagers, so it's not mm. far off, is to go and live, you know, like to live a year in France and a year in Germany and mm. a year in Switzerland and a year in Japan and, you know, mm. all of that. Well, that's idea. exactly what I did. You yeah. Know, I was living abroad, but this was before laptops and before yeah. uh, the Life's, internet. Laptop lifestyle. Uh, and sat navs. God knows how it worked. But... I don't know how we did anything without sat navs. 
And yeah, precisely. Yeah, um, yeah. I used to uh, ring what? my husband. I'd drive thinking, well, I'll just get there and it will appear. <laughs> and then I'd get lost. So I'd ring him up and I'd say, and he'd have it, the map on the computer and they mm-hmm. go, what road have you gone past? And like, mm. and, or, and I'd always be getting really het up and he'd stay really calm. My ex-husband's the only mm. bit that was functional about our relationship. Oh, okay. Fair um, and then he'd guide me in. I'd go, right, well, I'm late now. And I'd hang up and mm-hmm. go in wherever mm-hmm. I was going. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, so, yeah. So I think that's what made me savvy was and you've been forced to speak to strangers as well then aren't you which is great so like i used to do a similar sort of thing go if i had a meeting somewhere i just roughly drive to sort of that area and then have to start just winding the window like, how hard could it be i broke yeah. down my car broke down in the middle of spain i oh, mean wow. literally it didn't break down but it had a fault something happened it started to make funny noises and i had to stop and i was literally can you imagine i imagine like dry desert tumbleweed and oh, some God. old bloody garage with some old dude on a chair. Not speaking very much English. Not, no. Spanish, yeah. Yeah. So Spanish I had to stop. And, yeah, so I'm underneath my van, twiddling with it, and then some guy goes, do you want a hand with that? And it was, I don't know if you remember the bill, the yeah. TV show, the bill. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was one of the main actors from the bill. Oh, was it? Crossing Spain on a motorbike, and he ended up helping me fix my van. Yeah. Uh, I bumped into a guy that had done up a bus into his own home. Um, oh. And had uh, and had a, a bit of a sesh with him on the way. I met all sorts of people and did all sorts of crazy things. And mm. uh, you know, and and I I think another thing that um, it was my mother left me with was she said, you know, when she before she died, she said, just don't live your life with regrets. You mm. know, make sure that Wise. when you get to the end, you know, you don't have regrets. And I think that traveling i think has meant that i think even if i got even if anything happened to me now touch wood it won't but you know i've experiencing this world we're you know we're all been put here for a short amount of time on this planet and we could have been put anywhere you know we could have been an amoeba somewhere so we've got this experience that we have an opportunity to you know experience and i think Mm. seeing part seeing the world and traveling and experiencing different things i think is a duty yeah. I think, and I think on the whole, on the whole, people are generally nice, aren't they? Most people. You do have to, particularly as a woman, but even as a man, you have to take precautions and you know not trust people too soon and look after yourself and make sure you're not in dangerous situations. But you know, I try and teach my children if you're stuck stop and ask somebody go into a shop and ask somebody stop someone mm. on the street and say can you help me because most people will be nice and friendly and helpful won't they yeah even i mean i lived in southern spain so i bumped into some pretty villainous villains <laughs> and and even they were all right to be honest with you you know yeah. so yeah i think i think as long as you're fairly stealthy with things and you don't yeah. drive around in a bright orange lamborghini you'll be all right won't you yeah yeah, yeah. And like you say, have many adventures and meet interesting characters along the way. Yeah. Um, which sets you yeah. up for thinking, actually, I could be whatever I want to be in life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it gives you a good instinct. If people are listening to this and they want to find out more about you, what is the best mm. way of getting in touch? If you want to find me, my website is www.iconliving.co.uk. That's I-C-O-N-L-I-V-I-N-G, Icon Living. And you can contact me through the website or you can email me at julian at iconliving.co.uk. Interesting stuff. Thank you very Mm. much. If you're enjoying Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, follow and subscribe. Fabulous. What I really liked about Julian is that he kind of 
views things in a different way. So a lot of property is about, you came to property because you want to make money, let's face it. And you can make a lot of money at property, but sometimes you kind of have to choose between making X amount or making a bit less, but having a better product that will last you longer and ultimately be better. And um, I think that what Julian's ethos is, is make it as good as you can and have great. I love that he could name his tenants in HMOs and things like that and their life situations, where they're at, why they're there. And he thinks about the mix of people. And then ultimately, he's got a more successful business with a lot less stress and problems than somebody who's got HMOs where they're subletting or where they're doing things that they shouldn't like growing plants that they should we hear all these stories all the time don't yeah. we and that's probably because they've gone for maximum profit um, rather than than quality and um, yeah you'd so want think... him as a landlord wouldn't you you would want him as a landlord like yeah. you know that you'd be able to go to him and say there's this problem the, or what about him as well yeah he, he wants his spaces to be nice for people because he wants people to enjoy them and that yeah the customers stay and the customers yeah. can stay and also longer. getting getting involved right at the start so that it's thinking about you know the electrical spec where you want the plug sockets and what kind of things mm-hmm. you want and how people like to live and and things like that so that's really important rather than getting all of your refurb done and then going all right now let's just shove a bed in that corner and a sink in that corner and off yeah. we go yeah because so. i've stayed in in loads of different places like hotels and also like airbnbs and things and i often think and i am not a person who's would be anywhere good at this like designing malarkey or styling malarkey but i've often stayed at places i'm like why why is it set up like this just basics of not having like a plug somewhere where you need it or you know, a, I mean, a hairdryer yeah with a plug near a mirror so many hotel basics. rooms get that wrong where you plug it in and then you can't even see so you just have to like blast away and go well who knows what that and luckily i don't have like high maintenance hair but i imagine if you did it would be even worse so yeah don't just like things set, like that set up your hmo just any old house i think people because ultimately a lot of the time they are taking like a house and then dividing it up for, for different rooms for people to live in so with that in mind if it's if it was built for a different purpose and now you're changing it for a different use then think about how what what things you might have to change because of that um it was interesting what he said it pretty much starts with the lighting doesn't it as well so that's one of the lighting is very important and it's quite difficult isn't it in my home we had a massive lounge it was like half the house so we divided it up and a bit of it is this study and then the next door is the lounge which is two-thirds of the size but still fine my husband never got around to changing the electrics so if you want to put so we've got a i've got a ceiling light in the lounge but not here so if you want to put the light on in the lounge you've got to flick the switch here and if you want to have the light on in here you have to have the light in the lounge if you're in the lounge trying to have like you know i only have like lamps in the lounge normally but if anybody's in the study you've got to have the bright ceiling light on as well oh really it's ridiculous i never knew that and there is a light switching the lounge so people go in and switch it and go oh your light's not working you're like no it's in the, if you want to turn it on your that's not the room. right one you're in the wrong room switch that light on <laughs> obviously <laughs> but it's funny how you just have things in your house that like you don't really think of you just you just know that that's how things but work. be one of and those then... things that i'll probably get it sorted like a week before i want to put it on the market so i never benefit from it but yeah. i can't sell it like that because yeah. people are going well that's nuts so yeah and if people come into your house you go oh no that doesn't work like that you have to yeah. Go to them and they're like, and it was not until you say it out loud that you think, yeah, that is weird. Why don't we just sort that out? Because when we went point. to San Diego and my parents stayed with the kids and they were like, oh, we couldn't make your lounge light work. I was like, yeah, you have to do the switch in the study. 
fuck as if it's really normal. <laughs> but yeah, odd things about your house. Lighting, so lighting, I've never managed to get right. We need Julian in our lives. Not Bring him on it. To be fair, yeah, it's you know, it's he he will work on different size projects, won't he? So if it is just a case of a refresh that you need, um, still worth reaching out to him because you could just help with that what my next project big one is my garden project i need hard landscaping so if anyone's looking you know to do a bit of that <laughs> let me know and it was a quite an interesting some inspiration book they recommended wasn't it three it, yeah it, I am sounded a little it bit like, yeah it sounded a little bit like reluctant. not apologetic but yeah re- reluctant to like because it obviously was being females it was kind of like um i don't know if this was no, one is right no, um but, but it's good it's what, whatever helped you because you know it doesn't have to fit in with our world or, or whatever it's just genuinely what we are, we want them so what what helped them because what helped them probably help other people as well so that's three percent men wasn't it well then brilliant well we'll see you on the next episode Bye-bye. That was Property Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, connect with us on social media. Just search Get Savvy Club.